Greetings and welcome to an Odyssey into Oratory. If the Spirit moves you, would you be kind enough to click the follow button, repost or share, and please comment on this podcast, as I am your grateful host, Dan Riley. For us golfer, the game is often used as a metaphor for life, sometimes to the extent that it is just downright silly or corny. We also tend to be a sentimental bunch, and I guess you could add superstitious as well. As I say this, I'm wondering, maybe we are just a bunch of mercurial oddballs. Who knows? No round is complete without some reference to the golf gods. And these gods are to each other not unknown, so says the poet from Concord. Often we talk of these gods with tongue-in-cheek, but that's just a disguise. Every golfer I know believes that the golf gods are real. For non-golfers, a simple way to think of these gods is karma. It's not a perfect analogy. It's not broad enough, but it's good enough. We love our golf stories as well. One of my favorites was written decades ago by golf writer James Dotson. His book, Final Rounds, was a retrospective on his relationship with his father, focused mostly on the final years of his father's life. Dotson's father was a senior representative for a large publishing firm. According to The Sun, he had transformed a sleepy advertising backwater into a thriving, multi-million dollar territory. It was his philosophy that enabled the elder Dotson to accomplish this. He was the perennial optimist. As a young child, Dotson the Younger gave his dad the nickname Oppie the Mystic. Opti being short for optimistic, for he saw every problem or crisis in life as an opportunity for growth. Before beginning his career in the publishing business, Dotson was a sergeant in the 8th Army Air Force during World War II. For over a year of that time, he served as a parachute inspector on the outskirts of the small English village, Feckleton. The senior Dotson had a lifelong love affair with the game of golf, a passion he passed on to his son, who was about 10 years old when he first took up the game. As golf does to every 10-year-old, it frustrated the hell out of him. He couldn't seem to master the basics soon enough. He threw many temper tantrums on the course. He remembered his dad's patience and this admonition. Relax and enjoy the round. The game ends far too soon. The younger Dotson hadn't a clue what his dad was talking about. Just as his dad drew his satisfaction in business from solving problems, His pleasure in the game of golf came from solving the unique riddle the golf gods offered. The lost ball in the middle of the fairway, the uneven lie, or the ball under the lip of the bunker. Indeed, his father was just one more golfer who saw golf as a metaphor for life. For that reason, he was a stickler for the rules, for the rules were there to build character. The son was taught to fill his divots, repair the greens, put in turn, and most importantly, congratulate his opponent on a good shot. As the young son matured, golf was the glue that bonded him to his father. It was on the golf course where they marked time. They played the day Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, the day before his son got married, the day after one became a grandfather and the other a father. They played in the wind, the rain, and the heat. It was on the golf course where young Dotson learned of the birds and the bees, All topics were welcome. They talked of God, career, money, sex, and women. No topic was off limits. And when they disagreed, it was done without rancor. And just like golfers of all stripes, there was always a wager, one trying to gain the other's pocket money. Dragons may live forever, but not so little boys or middle-aged men. 
The day had come when the elder Dotson was approaching his ninth decade. He was suffering from the side and after effects of a radical colonoscopy. He was weak, both his hearing and sight were failing. But he was still golfing and never mentioned these infirmities. If the son did, he'd just shrug off his kid's concern. On a cold October day, father and son were golfing at Pinehurst, North Carolina, a favorite course of the Dotsons. Watching his father, the son's heart almost broke. His dad was shanking and topping balls. He was missing three-foot putts, ones he would have made blindfolded a decade ago. At one point, the father offered his hand, looking for a helping hand out of a bunker, a gesture he had never made before. On the drive home that day, the young Dotson said to his father, Let's take that trip we always talked about. The trip was to St. Andrews, the mecca of golf. Every serious golfing fraternity, small or large, has pondered this pilgrimage at one time or another. Though I suspect the percentage that actually make the journey is very small, the Dotsons, however, were set to go. Two weeks before they were going to leave, the father called his son to tell him that he had some bleeding. The cancer had come back. It had spread through his pelvic region, stomach, and back. The doctors had informed him he had a month, maybe two left. Thinking his father had called to cancel the trip, the son was surprised when his dad said, They can pump me full of poison and buy a few more weeks, but who the hell needs that? The son began telling his father how he admired his courage. The father cut him off and told him, Save his lung power for the golf course that he planned on whipping his ass at St. Andrews. See you at the airport. The trip was still on. It was to begin by playing many courses in England prior to the grand finale at the old course at St. Andrews. The first was to be Royal Litham, near the English village of Freckleton, where his father was stationed during World War II. As they were making their way to the course, driving through the village, school children could be seen mingling all along the roadway. The father commented, We had kids just like this hanging all around the base. I took many photos of them. In fact, we had a wall at the base covered with pictures of kids just like these. At Royal Litham, they got through the first nine holes, with the elder Dotson doing just fine. As they approached the tenth tee, they sat on the grass to rest a while. The son remarked, Our scores are terrible! His father replied, No matter. This is delightful. Look at those birds. Referring to several white birds flying over the red rooftops. While looking at the birds without saying a thing, the son recalled one of his dad's old adages, Golf is mostly about who you choose to play with. At dinner the next evening, the Dotsons were talking with a group of local folks. Among them was a woman who spoke of a recent D-Day reunion at the former base. Because of the bomber, that was quite the memorial service. What bomber? asked the young Dotson. Well, the bomber that crashed. He quizzically glanced over at his dad. Do you know what bomber they are talking about? His dad turned pale and barely audible, said yes, and soberly, said to his son, come with me. They left the table and walked over to a nearby church, which in the rear had a burial ground. The son followed his dad up to a granite cross and began reading the names on the gravestones that surrounded the cross. Gillian and June Parkinson, George Peterson, Annie Harrington. There were 38 names in all. The son asked his dad, how did these folks die? They weren't folks. They were children four- and five-year-olds. They went to the school affiliated with this church. One of our bombers crashed into the school. After a long pause, his dad continued speaking. 
It was about 10.30 in the morning. I had just stretched out on my cot to get some sleep when I heard a tremendous roar followed by an explosion. I was one of the first to reach the school. My God, what a sight. There was burning fuel running down the street. I remember pulling away pieces of the plane, bricks and mortar, and all these precious little kids inside, buried alive. As his dad began to well up with tears, his voice tailed off, and the two just stood there for several minutes. Clearing his throat, his dad said, There was one girl in particular. She was always laughing. I called her Lady Sunshine. She was one of those kids killed. All the son could say was, Good God. The father went on. A week after the crash, I found a note on the base bulletin board from her parents. They wondered if anyone had taken any photographs of their daughter. I brought to their house all the photos I had, and we sat in their front parlor and cried. I don't think I've ever experienced anything quite so sad. As they walked away from the church, the son said to his dad, I'm surprised you never told me the story. Looking back at the church, his father said, The war ended for me right here. I promised myself I would never speak of it again. The son flashed to a previous conversation. His dad had told him that before joining the army, he was a real cocky kid who believed that he had the world all figured out. But then something had happened, and he realized the only thing life really promised us is pain. It was up to each of us to create the joy. The young Dotson suddenly realized that Opti the Mystic was born in that bomber's wreckage. At the time, St. Andrews had six different courses, but it was the old course, the most famous in the world, that draws the golfing pilgrims. The course couldn't possibly meet the demand for all the requested tea times, so a daily drawing was instituted to determine who gets to play golf two days hence. But by being a golf writer, the young Dotson had connections to get them on the course without entering the daily lottery. When he told his father of the plan, his dad seemed puzzled. Why would you want to do that? Do you think it's fair to ignore the rules? That's not the issue, Dad. The son, feeling like he just got busted for cheating on a test, his dad said, Plus, you've played this course many times. They both knew why it was so important to play the old course. Golf was sacred. The old course was hollowed ground. And golf was the medium that facilitated their sacred relationship. They both knew this was going to be the final round they'd ever play together. This was understood by both, but left unsaid. Okay, if that's the way you want it, we'll put our hopes on the lottery. That's the only way I want it, said his dad. For the next two days, their names were not drawn. The father said, let's give it another day. And then what, said the son? Well, if we don't have any luck, it may be time to move along. You mean go home? I think it's time. I've got some things to do. The next day, the younger Dotson went for a walk. After strolling around for a while, he found himself standing behind the fence on the first tee of the old course. As darkness was approaching, he began feeling sorry for himself. I had come all this day for naught. That stream of thought was suddenly broken when he heard a voice from behind him. Hey, I'm told golf has been played here for almost 500 years and that anyone is entitled to walk these public grounds. It was his dad. They walked the course slowly, talked about life, golf, and his mom. As the time passed quickly, they found themselves at the 17th hole, the road hole one of the most iconic holes in all of golf. On this October night, it was now almost dark, and there was no golfers left on the course. The son said, I wish we had our clubs. His dad replied, Ah, who needs them? Let's play anyway. 
With his dad leading the way, they both took out phantom clubs and meticulously played the last two holes, in which they both parred. It dawned on the sun. The reason his dad wouldn't play unless they won the lottery was because he didn't believe they would win the lottery. His father could sense just how heavy this day was playing on his son's mind. So he orchestrated this perfect compromise, playing phantom golf for two holes. Walking off the 18th green, his father said, Call me sentimental, but I think it's been a hell of a journey, the son replied. The hotel showers were much worse than I expected. You're talking about the trip. I'm talking about the journey. The senior Dotson died the following March. Some weeks after his father's death, the son was troubled by a dream in which he had forgotten the sound of his dad's voice. He woke up sweating and weeping. Three months after that dream, he was back on the old course again, this time with his golfing partners. As he approached the bunker on the road hole, he pulled a small blue satchel out of his golf bag. His buddies knew what was coming and watched solemnly. He said, you guys look like three horsemen of the apocalypse. And in keeping with the odd baldness of golfers, he added, please show a little proper disrespect. He told his buddies, my dad said golf is a game that should make you smile, so please smile. While they smiled, he slowly scattered his father's ashes into the bunker. After the round had finished, a young boy, maybe 11 or 12, passed, passed him while heading back home with his clubs in tow. He asked the young boy, did you shoot a good one? Not so good, sir. Me driver's a wee bit off. That's okay. Enjoy it. The game ends far too soon, you know. Right, said the young man politely. He continued walking, then stopped abruptly. He had just heard his father's voice. Opti the mystic was back. I don't think there is any need to list all the profound insights provided by James Dotson's beautiful story. At their best, writers and speakers are alchemists. They can turn words into life lessons, inspiration, and wonder. For my part, that's all there is except for this. Please click the follow button, repost or share, and comment on this podcast if you'd be so kind. This is Dan Riley taking you on an odyssey into oratory. Until next time, throw off those bowlines and sail away from the safe harbor. Catch the trade winds. We're on the move now. We are excited to announce the launch of an odyssey into oratory from speaker to spellbinder. This new dynamic and interactive speech training program was created specifically for the changing world we find ourselves in. In a business career spanning 40 years, from bagging groceries all the way to the executive suite, Dan has attended and delivered several hundred presentations and speeches. Throughout his odyssey, he has completed several prestigious executive speech programs. He is a four-time graduate of the Dale Carnegie course and a decades-long Toastmaster. But most of all, he is a lifetime student of the great orators, past and present. In combining his years of experience, study, and training, he has distilled and synthesized these lessons to create an online seven-week training course. While this course can benefit anyone looking to acquire or improve their public speaking skills, it was designed specifically for those working in a corporate or entrepreneurial environment. With his vast experience in the marketplace, Dan students will receive insights and communication strategies that are not offered in the traditional speech training program. It is an integrated course in that it includes many other components of personal development that will transform good speakers into spellbinders. For more information on how to enroll in Dan's course from speaker to spellbinder, 
Contact us at anodysseyintooratory at gmail.com. Additionally, you can find Dan's blog at spiritualsideofsuccess.blog.